1: For football people who like football, here come two words for you. Purple Live. This is Purple Live with Matthew Collar. All right, Purple Live show. Matthew Collar along with ESPN Vikings reporter Courtney Cronin, Manny Hill here as well. Uh, At the end of today's show, we'll give you a little bit of the analysis of Kevin Stefanski's debut from Sage Rosenfels. Wanted to play a little bit of that for you. So that'll come at the end of the show. But for the rest, we're wide open for conversation. Last week, got a lot of good phone calls and thoughts from people on the offensive coordinator change. If you would like to chime in, the phone number is 651 646 8255. 651 646 8255. And I will put it out for you here. What is your confidence level after seeing Kevin Stefanski's offense in play that the Vikings will win these final two games? And I I know, Courtney, that we were talking last hour about Detroit and the possibility that they could have a sort of classic for the franchise meltdown. But the Week 17 game has now become very interesting because of the Los Angeles Rams starting to slide back. And if the door is open for the Chicago Bears to potentially win that home field, then that... You play everybody. Yeah, then they have to, right? I mean, you've got to play for that home field. The Eagles, I am convinced the reason that the Eagles made the Super Bowl with Nick Foles is because they had that home field advantage.
0: No, I agree with you. And I think that Week 17 right now, just we won't know anything until... After this week, because what the Rams have
1: Arizona, is
0: that right? And then they finish up against the Forty ers Yes, so, so
1: they should go two and out.
0: They should, and I think that that obviously dictates everything. That's why I think Sunday Night Football still in play at this time for the Vikings and the Bears. I mean, if that if that game ends up getting flexed, I mean that just shows you like I mean just the importance of what Week Seventeen means, but. The Vikings, real, realistically, Vikings. I know, I know that there are scenarios out there that could come down to them still making the playoffs with a loss in week seventeen. They need to go two and zero here because you just, with the way that this team has not been able to handle momentum by and large this season, they need, they cannot back their way into the postseason at all. Especially since they're probably going to be playing in Chicago weeks,
1: uh, week eighteen. So if I'm not mistaken, there is no Sunday night football the last week because no, they have they, everyone play. But can they not have it? Can they flex it to a week 17? Like I was under game? the impression
0: that you can still flex it because they leave that spot open. Oh, okay, all right.
1: Did that happen years ago when uh, the two teams were like fighting for seven and nine or whatever, eight and eight in the sure. playoffs? I think that happened. Um, so looking at the the schedules of these teams and how these things need to play out, just in terms of the playoff scenarios. Okay, if the Vikings win. And Washington and Philly lose.
0: Yes, they that's clinch. It. They clinch. They're You're in this in. weekend. Right. You're not. You've. You haven't been in control of your own destiny for some time now. So it's always kind of been that they need everything else to stack up. And you know the way that the schedule looks this weekend. I mean, I think it is doable. I and really do.
1: It is because Philadelphia has to play Houston.
0: Yeah, and that's not. I mean, but Houston has to go there. And if Houston wins there, I think that they're a legit legitimate threat to contend in the AFC and then beyond beyond just a first round team because that's a hard place to play right Vikings knew that I mean they played there in week five though they played a much different Philly team that you're seeing right now so that's tough but I mean I think that you know I think I if I'm if I'm predicting it right now Redskins probably lose like they have to play in Tennessee, Tennessee and right. Tennessee's hot right now so relatively speaking um But, I mean, the the way the AFC playoff picture for some of those bottom-tier teams and the way that that kind of aligns with the NFC in the bottom-tier teams, I think it's a lot heavier on that side.
1: So here's what's crazy. If they were to lose this week and then you have Philadelphia and Washington playing each other. So if Philadelphia and Washington both won this week and the Vikings lost, are the Vikings not out? I think they're out, right? Because then one of the... Eagles would or Washington would be nine and seven, and
0: the Vikings would be seven and, seven and, and the, one.
1: Right, and the best the Vikings could do would be eight, eight seven and, and one. one. So there's scenarios where the Vikings clinch the playoffs and they're all set, and then there's this one scenario where they could potentially be out if they don't beat the Detroit Lions. So let's talk about kind of where we're at with the offense. Feel free to to chime in on this, and it's very it's very interesting, Courtney, about uh, just. Maybe and all NFL fan bases are like this, but just the general feeling of where we're at is people waiting for calamity is is a is a Minnesota thing, I think. Because all last week there was a lot of people reading the articles, making the phone calls into here, like concerned, interested about what ha- might happen with this offensive coordinator. And so Stefanski comes in, they blow out the Dolphins, and then it's sort of like, all right, wake me up if the playoffs happen.
0: Yeah, like everything's <laughs> fine. No, it's not. <laughs> No, it's not at all. I mean, this is a, as as I said, this is a band aid on a much bigger problem. And your bigger problem was still there at points, and it was quarterback play. Kevin Stefanski came up with a really good game plan. It was, you know, less bulky. There wasn't as much to confuse Kirk Cousins and really kind of simplified what he had to do. Yet we still saw some of those same issues arise when the when the offense gets backed up in their own territory and Kirk, you know, is either audibling the wrong play at the line and ch- checking out of things, or he just can't com- you know can't complete passes. And even when they have good field position, the defense gets a stop on fourth and eleven, and before that, Marcus Sherrill's rips off a seventy yard return to set you up at the twenty two, and mm-hmm. he still can't come up with points on that. I think that that's the problem. That to me is why there's a big portion of this fan base that has a lot of pause as to how far this team can go and why a lot of people think they're a first-round exit, and I do too. Um, they haven't shown us, even with a team like this that should never have been in the game, we you, we talked about the, how badly the Dolphins looked. I mean, they, just, they didn't look into this game from the start, from mm-hmm. the first series. I mean, yes, the up-tempo got them, the hurry-up got them, but they never recovered, and it almost felt like they didn't even care. So... That to me, though, when you you let a team back in that's that close where it's 17-10 because of your quarterback play, I think that there's a lot of trepidation that that type of stuff, even against the worst of the worst competition, is going to continue to pop up throughout the rest of the season.
1: I I think that the concern with Kirk is that Kevin Stefanski did everything possible in the entire world to help him. Mm -hmm. That was my my film piece that's up at our website right now, 1500ESPN.com, is looking at all those things. The play action, the bootlegs, the extra protection that he was given. At, at one point, there's eight guys blocking yeah. for the Vikings on a completed pass, and he's doing everything. They're giving him the, the, run, run game. the run game. Like,
0: I mean, you know how much pressure that took off him? Right. Like, you think about it. He's dropping back before this week on 69% of his plays. Like... That's absurd. That number is the fourth highest in the NFL. And I mean, the other the teams that are above that are like, I think the the Rams are probably up there. The Chiefs are probably up there. I mean, their teams are throwing the ball who don't give a rip about balance, but they don't have to because they have good offensive lines and they can do whatever they want. Kirk has really had the weight of this entire franchise on his shoulders. And that's, you know, he doesn't play well with that. You give him a run game, you finally give him balance and, and look what he can do with it.
1: And yet. The pick six still happens and the Dolphins are back in that game, even though they had no business being in that game. And I don't think any of us ever felt like they were going to win because they just couldn't move the ball on offense and Detroit won't be able to either. I mean, their offense has been really putrid over these last few weeks and they lost to Buffalo and it's, it's a really hard sell that all of a sudden they're going to find it on offense. When, when they were here in Minnesota, Matt Stafford got sacked 10 times by the Vikings, but they have been a little bit of a different defense on the road where they have given up some plays at times, and that happened against Seattle, the big Russell Wilson run. There was a big uh, handoff that went back the other direction, and they left the door open for Seattle to score some points too. The road defense has not always been perfect. I think what it comes down to, though, is if you are thinking about this team as a playoff team and beyond, and even going into a game where you should absolutely win, and Cousins throughout his career usually does win these games, that door is always cracked open. It's always, will he accidentally throw the ball away? Will someone strip sack him? Will you lose because of something kind of wacky that happens?
0: Well, it's, it's just a matter, too. I mean, you take a look. We talk about win-loss record. We talk about all the things that factor into why he's a 500 quarterback at best. And it's not being able to close out teams. And it's not being the guy who can ever, outside of one game this season, put your entire team on your back and and lead the charge to victory. And the only reason they lost that Green Bay, had nothing to do with Kirk, or the only reason they tied that game, had nothing to do with Kirk Cousins, to do with. A very mediocre first round pick receiver and a kicker who is now doing very well somewhere else. So the fact the fact of the matter is Kirk cannot elevate you in these games. And it might be in the Vikings' best interest as they go towards the playoffs to eliminate any chance he has to win these games for you, to put it in the trust of your defense, to put it in the trust of Dalvin Cook, and have Kirk do the least bit possible just enough to win you these games.
1: So I'm wondering about what the feeling is from Vikings fans right now. I mean, is it that we're back, baby, let's go? That's
0: No, that's delusional. It it does not feel that way. Nobody could think that. That's absolutely delusional. It's a 31st defense, 31st rushing defense in the NFL. You should annihilate them. You You should run for 400 yards, like, you know, something absurd like that. It's just, I just don't. I just don't see it. I mean, anyone who thinks that this is back doesn't understand the root cause of what's going on on offense that's more than play calling. It's bigger than play calling. Functionally speaking, was the play calling great down the stretch? Absolutely not. No one's going to disagree with, you know, running up the gut on third and one and, and just the panic of that call that probably got in there. And I mean, yes, but there's more things behind that, the Dalvin Cook usage and the so so on and so forth with a run game. It's the fact that your quarterback's audibling out of run plays at the line and that the management from him, he has not been the game manager that he's needed to be this season.
1: All right, 6516468255 five, to chime in on your feeling now after blowing out the Dolphins and where your uh, where where you, your belief is that the Vikings offense can be good enough. So I want to play a little bit of a game when we come back and compare Kirk Cousins to all the other playoff quarterbacks and where he ranks among quarterbacks either in or likely to be in the postseason. In a sea of purple, this is One Deep Dive. It's Purple Live with Matthew Collar. All right, back here on Purple Live. And as I mentioned before, we went to the break. Matthew Collard, along with ESPN Vikings reporter Courtney Cronin. uh, I wanted to go through the playoff quarterbacks on both sides of the bracket to try to get a sense for where we stand with Kirk Cousins in, in general. Because when he throws the pick six, it leaves the door open for the terror of Vikings fans that when they get to the playoffs, that's going to happen and it's going to end their season because they're not playing the Miami Dolphins or the New York Jets or many of the other bad teams that they've defeated so far this year. And I wonder, we were talking about this in the break. I wonder if, if the Vikings fan base right now is wake me up when we're in the playoffs and isn't so much locked in dead to this, every detail of lions Vikings to lead up to it. I mean, it's just a game that has no hype whatsoever and you feel like, yeah, you should just absolutely win. Even though it isn't a deadlock, and this team has proven that there's no such thing as a deadlock because they lost to Buffalo. So there is a lot of intrigue going into this in different scenarios that can happen, especially if they lose. But there's just this feeling that Vikings fans, if they blow it, then they won't be surprised. And if they don't, it's, all right, let's just see what happens in the playoffs. And and that there's still, even after... Last week, isn't a high level of belief that this team can go anywhere in the playoffs?
0: Well, I don't think there should be. First off, it's a very apathetic fan base. And I understand that because they've been let down so many times. And yeah, you can think now, okay, hey, they've got momentum. Hot Kirk is going to come around. When have you seen that before, though? Like, they don't have any body of work to go off of. Even if you look back at the 2015 season, when when Washington goes to... The playoffs, and then they have a first-round exit, I believe, it was to Green Bay in Correct. in the wild card game. If you're looking at Kirk Cousins from that, he never really got hot down the stretch. I mean, there really wasn't it. Was, that was a nine and seven season. That's the best that he's finished, and that's kind of translating to what we could potentially see here coming out in the next few weeks. You should be locked in, though. I mean, this is critical time. You have to. I don't. You know. I know that there are other playoff scenarios that. If they lose Week 17, because I'm giving them the the Detroit win, I think that the Detroit has nothing to play for. I think they are a listless team to begin with, mm-hmm. especially in the recent weeks. I mean, yeah, that you mentioned, defense has played better on the road. People are talking about that Rams game. Um, still, I, I just don't think it. I just don't think it happens. But you need to win these next two games. You absolutely have to if you're the Minnesota Vikings. Go into this thing at nine six and one because you, I mean the whole argument it's tough to beat a team 3 times in a season sure but you at least need to get i mean you need, you need to get that win in week 17 and after doing that after the detroit game
1: the uh circling back to the the fan part of this uh, I, I think that where vikings fans are right now is the toughest place to be if you're a fan base is just give me a championship already type of mentality And when it comes to going to Detroit with playoff implications, if you were a team that was sort of on the rise, if this was the 2014 Vikings and they were coming down the stretch talking about playoff scenarios, I think that we would have the phone line slid up and that everyone would be like, yeah, this is great. This is a young quarterback with Teddy and they're going down the stretch. And there was probably a lot of that in, in 2015 of, yeah, this is really exciting because this is an up and coming team with a lot of young talent, But when you're a franchise that has come so close so many times, especially as recently as they did last year, and you have a team that's in its prime and still no matter what they do in these next two weeks has underachieved from where they could have should have been this year. I think it's a hard place to be as a fan as in the first round playoff game. I mean, yeah, people will be rooting for them, but it's still like you have to do more than that. You have to do more than that. And it's such a high bar and a difficult bar to reach when you do not have Tom Brady as your quarterback. And I could see where a lot of fans would fall into this just frustration and maybe even malaise about a team that is where the Vikings are now, even though they had an exciting win last week.
0: To me, I think most of this fan base that side of it was lost with the New England game.
1: Yeah, and I do, and I do
0: think that because they had such a good opportunity there when in in the second half when the Patriots go up seventeen ten, and then you see what plays are called and you see that Dalvin Cook isn't in on that that drive, and I think that a lot of these fans are like, "Are you guys even trying? Are you guys even really putting forth the full effort and resources of play calling of your playmakers of execution?" to win this thing because, you know, I know it's a tough place to play. And they still gave him victory Monday. It was like victory almost Monday because it's like, well, you tried hard. So, you know, you almost won. That's kind of how it felt with that. Like they got so close against, you know, the pinnacle of competition. And by and large, yeah, Tom Brady has regressed a little bit and he's not playing that great right now. Anyways, it's still, it's the Patriots. And you got that close and you were riding high coming off a Green Bay win where you put up 420 yards of offense. You showed that you could do it. You showed that you could activate the screen game, that you could get Kyle Rudolph involved a little bit more. But then you keep kept reverting. It's like one step forward, five steps back this entire 15 weeks that we've experienced this season. And I think that it's almost people trying to quell the notion of, let's not get our hopes up. I mean, they may win one game here. They might get, get a really good win, essentially, uh, for in terms of a must-need over the Dolphins. But What's to say that, you know, Chicago comes here with something to actually play for week 17, that that whole notion goes out the window because fans are like, well, you know, they can't win a big game. They, they've struggled in every big moment they've had. Why should I get my helps
1: up now? I, I do wonder if you're the fan who is just give me a championship already, if that's your mentality, because I think a lot of people just show up on Sunday either to the game or just watch because it's the Vikings and that's our team. And then there are a lot more who are extremely passionate about it and follow every detail and that sort of thing. And those are the people that read our articles in June... (laughs) About you know whatever, projecting the ninety man roster and that's those are those are the people who love
0: our fans. uh, Fans speak. Yes, our mock drafts, drafts, which will begin the day after the Vikings lose. I mean, once the season's over, we're going straight into draft mode. I'm I'm jacked about
1: that. And I feel like even those people in Chicago is where they got beaten down because it was Mm -hmm. it was such a whooping and even though it ends, you know, it's five points, but it was, it was a beatdown for the most part, and the offense couldn't move, and you saw Cousins again on primetime, that that was where people weren't even buying the Green Bay win. And the Green Bay win is by seven. It's not It, it's, it was by against 20. a team
0: that was on a decline. Exactly. Like, and, and I agree with you. I think that, you know, the whole fan base, I think, was really lost after that New England game. But before that, the Chicago loss, just the way that they lost, the way that Cousins threw to. Awful interceptions and Dalvin Cook's strip sack and Khalil Mack being left one-on-one with Riley Reef and just, you know, all of the problems that we saw there. They had so many opportunities because the defense and Anthony Harris put them in such great position and they never capitalized on it. They never did. I just don't think that people think that at this stage in the game, even if Kirk gets hot, which we have no sample size to go off of so far that they can actually string a long playoff run this team doesn't feel like a team like the Eagles did last year where you know you lose your quarterback and it's like oh crap like what's gonna happen next like can can they even get past Atlanta without Julio Jones falling down and slipping in the end zone mm. but I mean can they get past Atlanta I mean everybody wrote the Eagles off as the worst first uh is the worst number one seed ever and look what they did The Vikings don't carry that same vibe just because I don't think they've been able to put it together at all this season for more than, you know, we talked about the three game win streak that they had from Philly to Arizona to the Jets. But you should have won all three of those games and you should have won big and they didn't. I mean, and, they 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 won, but like it wasn't. It never carried that vibe to it.
1: And the fact that they haven't beaten anyone with a winning record as we speak That's, right you, now. You can't
0: go into the playoffs like that and expect that you're going to reach the NFC Championship again.
1: There there hasn't been that big signature win that convinced people. So I'm always interested in our sort of like podcast download data, web data to sort of get a pulse of how fans are feeling about you know, the team at a different time. And you go back to last year after they beat Los Angeles, it was our highest downloaded podcast that I think we have ever had at that time. And that was the moment when they beat the Rams that everyone believed, okay, this team can really be a Super Bowl team because they just beat the Rams. And now there's a possibility at that time to even have home field throughout the playoffs. That was a door that was open and they were on a win streak. They had beaten some good teams at that point. And that just hasn't come around. And I guess I wondered when they beat the Dolphins, I was thinking about this going into the game. I wondered, will they come back? I mean, will people see a team whip the Dolphins and then decide, okay, the problem is fixed. this is the 2012 Ravens all over again. Oh, they, they I don't change, want to hear that argument. Right? That,
0: that was thrown out way too many times last week.
1: Just because it's the only example to think of. I mean, usually a Super Bowl team doesn't fire its <laughs> offensive coordinator, but it did happen once. So, uh, but but I, I wondered just because, in terms of like your fan momentum, we're getting to the point where things are getting really exciting, and I think right now for us, there's like this excitement exciting sort of tension building up here. There's all these scenarios and there's this big game in Detroit and all this. And I just don't feel that type of buzz from anyone else because I think that the fans just need them to be in and show them something before they're really going to jump on that bandwagon.
0: Well, it's nervousness. I mean, this is a fan base that critiqued for a lack of a you know much harsher phrase, they, people killed us for having them at ten and six this year, and that I said was like the basement. That was not the ceiling. Now it's not like I told you so. I don't think that that's the argument. But this fan base expected them to be an NFC Championship team, if not greater. Because why would you expect anything less when you go out and sign a quarterback for eighty four million dollars? You expect that that's the that's the floor right there. The ceiling is a a Super Bowl and getting there. I mean, not even having to win it. It's just getting there. And and, and to me, I just think that people are nervous. And I think that there's the argument you can make that this team has done absolutely nothing, big picture wise, to show that they can sustain a deep playoff run. You know how much of an uphill battle that feels like? It's like, ugh, you have to go on the road the entire playoffs. I mean, there's a reason that Mm -hmm. teams that start out in the sixth seed don't often make it To the Super Bowl. That just doesn't happen. And I think people want to go off history and be like, yeah, like, you know, this sucks, but this is the situation that they're in. And they're, you know, right, you know, ride it out this year and and start looking towards how Rick Spielman's going to spend that draft capital. I mean, that's to me, that's what what a big portion of this fan base is already looking to 2019 because they see the writing on the wall. They see that they're going to Chicago to lose to potential Super Bowl champion Chicago. On the road, January sixth. We're flying back here, January seventh. And the Bears march on. They go down to New Orleans, and you know th- the rest of the NFC. I, I mean, it's just such a top heavy conference this year and I think that the bottom half teams nobody's really giving them much more than a puncher's chance right now.
1: So if anybody wants to kind of help me out with that perspective just because I did think that there would be a lot more energy and I usually judge from my Twitter mentions and, and sort of our web data and things like that and what what we get but um it's better to have someone's actual voice tell me exactly how they're feeling about it. So 651-646-8255 if you want to give us a call and just just where you're at right now after what happened on Sunday, if that gave you any sort of boost in belief, or if right after the game you went back to, well, you know, we're sort of the middle of the pack team. And I also think, Courtney, that if Kirk Cousins didn't throw a pick six, that there would have been more excitement.
0: Absolutely. these People can see the writing on the wall that your quarterback could derail the whole thing because he's derailed it at points this season.
1: And there was that feeling from us last year about Case Keenum, but not fans. And I know that from my <laughs> from Twitter mentions, your, yes. All your uh, articles, criticism you got yes. about
0: being a teddy lover. I
1: know, I know. And, uh, I mean, ultimately, that's how it turned yeah. out, was that I was following Mike Zimmer along with that. It's just, there was throws that were dangerous, and if you do this in the playoffs, it's going <laughs> to come back to haunt you, and it ultimately did. Uh, let's, let's look at the playoff quarterbacks and where Kirk Cousins sits. Because I think that there's a point to be made here that it's, we think of him as being not anywhere near sort of that top group, but the way that some of these quarterbacks are playing, if he goes into the playoffs hot, you might feel a little bit different. So I think we could agree, Tom Brady, much better than Kirk Cousins. Yes. You'd rather have, even if he's not playing as well, you'd rather have Tom Brady in the playoffs. Roethlisberger, I'm going to have AFC and NFC. That's fine, I'm looking at bigger, the picture right now. I mean, Roethlisberger has not played all that well this season. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is just still a very good team. I think I might. I think I might rather have Cousins at this point. That's than I was. Gonna, I
0: was going to put them kind of almost equal yeah. tiers. Yeah. And especially just with the way that the Steelers have lost some of their games. I mean, Roethlisberger has been so up and down the last two years. Yeah. I don't know if I trust him fully.
1: Totally. Uh, Houston, I will take Sean Watson. Sure, Thank that's you. fine. Andrew Luck, if we're going to count them as being in the playoff getting race. getting hot at the right time, yep. I would take Andrew Luck. I would take Cousins over Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. There's no question, Mahomes and Rivers. You're taking over Kirk Cousins. I'll
0: take I'll take Philip Rivers two times, actually. Twice. Twice. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Two two times. Seven, um, seven teams
0: in the so AFC playoffs. So like so playoffs. like young
1: young Rivers and old Rivers. Yeah,
0: I mean they're it, both good. What a savage! Him waving to the fans after yeah. the loss. I just I wanted to high five. Him so, for that.
1: Phillip so, Love Philip Rivers. Love him. It, I, his mentality is is great. And, and I
0: know how you feel about the Ravens right now. Well, and Lamar Jackson yeah. is
1: very interesting because Lamar is almost what Mike Zimmer wants as his quarterback. As his numbers for actually throwing the ball not particularly great, but they haven't turned it over very often. And they've won games, and they've let their defense win, and they've killed the clock. And that's that's like Zimmer has to be watching Lamar Jackson and be jealous. Like, ah, they never turn it over. And like, ah, they're killing so much clock. Look at that. Their defense has got it easy. Um, Now, that's a tough one. Lamar Jackson is a tough one because I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback at this moment.
0: He's had more experience. But too. I would
1: rather have Lamar Jackson. I know
0: you would. I know you would.
1: I like Lamar Jackson. Um, you want a good Dac- NFC? D- NFC, Dak Prescott. I'd rather have Kirk.
0: Yeah. Dak, though, is somebody who I could see potentially doing what Philly did last year.
1: Yeah, because of the defense, and he's also tricky. I mean, like, in close games in the fourth quarter, he can be good. Does he have the clutch gene? I think he does. There was some stat about him in the fourth quarter, and, like, not just comebacks, but also just how he's played. And then you remember that Aaron Rodgers, like, ruined his life in the NFC, what was that, championship game or divisional game? Mm Mm-hmm. But he had a comeback. He should have been the hero of the day. But, of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Now, comparing it, like, of course, Josh Johnson's no good. Maybe. Um, are Nick, you
0: looking at teams that are in Nick, the hunt, Nick too?
1: Nick Yeah, I was, I was looking at in the hunt teams, too. Like, Nick Foles is a weird one because, like, he's better than Nick Foles. But I don't know. The guy won the Super Bowl last year.
0: Yeah, that one's hard. I mean, obviously, Panthers are out. They're not in the hunt. Foles has
1: the weirdest career ever. He's got the year where he goes twenty-seven touchdowns, two picks, is an unbelievable. Yeah, basically it's still a
0: record today.
1: That was his Pro Bowl year, like one hundred nineteen quarterback rating. Almost never gets a chance again, and then comes back and wins the Super Bowl. Gets crazy hot. It's just it's so weird. And now he's back and has a chance. Trubisky's an odd one. Uh,
0: I hate this argument. I the running makes
1: him very very dangerous yeah. look what he
0: did to the vikings defense yeah. look what he's done to the rams like i mean there's that element I, I know that there are people out there who are like oh like i don't trust him yet i don't trust him to win a super bowl well, do you need to when you have a defense that's that good that's the same situation with the vikings you don't need to ha- you need to trust kirk to do enough because you can set you can center your run your offense on the run game with dalvin cook because we know it works and you can keep your defense as the focal point of this team. I think the Bears can follow that same strategy. And even still you have like 20 receivers. So it's like you can you can you can get the intermediate passing game going. You don't have to take a lot of chances. Mitchell Trubisky can win you a I mean I'm I'm going to say that he can win you a game. He's not going to win you the whole game. You're going to need your defense to come through there, but the reason that I'm so hot on Chicago right now, they're the complete package. I think they are the complete package in the NFC in the NFC playoff picture.
1: I would be really concerned about uh Trubisky going through a whole playoffs and winning a Super Bowl because I just don't think he's very accurate. He has really messy feet. You saw it against the Vikings. He'll do some things that maybe aren't great. He took a couple of risks that were just downright bizarre that ended up in in being interceptions. And I wonder if he does that when they get there, but he can make up for some of it with his legs, which is where you know when you're talking about quarterbacks that aren't perfect. If you can make up for some yeah. of that, then you can convert a third down and eight or something like that to keep a drive going.
0: And you can you have a pretty they get creative with the running backs. I know that their run very, their yes. run their run game gets you know a lot of flack just for like from the traditional standpoint, but they know how to get creative. I think Matt Nagy a very good coach. If there's anybody, I think from you know that perspective, that could lead a deep a deep run towards a Super Bowl at Chicago.
1: I think they're better than the Rams. I really do. So now, here's the interesting one because Breeze is not playing well, but obviously we all take yeah. Breeze. What, we, what
0: do you do with Jared Goff though? And we
1: take Wilson because he's Wilson. Sure. But Jared Goff is interesting. I think Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins look at like in a mirror and see each other right or however that works like they they're a it's reflection the, it's, the it's a, it's a, a spider-man yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i, I just say. i wasn't sure if our audience would know the spider-man meme but like do you know that or not i it's mean just we're, are Spider-Man. we talking to a
0: bunch of millennials i don't right
1: know it's spider-man pointing at also spider-man and that's like them is there two spider-mans um with with less athleticism i but we've seen it with golf he doesn't go off schedule either and when teams figure him out, he can melt down. He did it against the Vikings. He did it against Chicago. And you wonder if he can really beat great defenses, even with all of the infrastructure that is there. And when they lost Cooper Cup, I also thought that was a big deal. That's a huge he blow was to really them. Good. I was,
0: he was really good. I think he was their X factor, to be quite honest with you, on that entire offense. I mean, he was a change of pace, everything.
1: And the only reason that I would take Jared Goff instead of Kirk Cousins is his contract. That they have been able to build up this outrageously good team around him. I think Cousins is probably just as good of a quarterback, if not better, especially. I mean, he throws Cousins throws such a nice ball, especially sure. down the field. But if you were to say, yeah, you're going to get like a future Hall of Fame left tackle and you can sign other players on defense to help you and other offensive linemen, or you could just have this quarterback, you're going to take Jared Goff. But if you're talking about one playoff game, I mean that's kind of a coin flip between those two, isn't it?
0: I agree. I, I don't. I don't think that you can look at it much more than a playoff game. Like you have to look at those two with the argument of one, um, because both have great defenses. I think that the Rams defense is considerably. Le- I, w- I would put the Vikings defense ahead of the Rams defense any day.
1: Yeah, but definitely the
0: pieces that are around both of those quarterbacks are enough. They, I mean, outside of the offensive line, the Rams have a very good offensive line. It allows Jared Goff to have as much time as he has to throw, and even still, he's been awful these last two weeks. And I do, like the whole momentum argument, he's on the decline right now. Yeah, they have Arizona. Yeah, they have the 49ers, but he's kind of declining while Kirk potentially could be trending up. If you get the Detroit game, if you were able to beat Chicago, like, you know, best case scenario, the Vikings can hope for is that the Rams you know, win out and and the Bears get that three seed just from the I mean, yeah, they would they rather probably go to LA? Yes. I think they could beat LA again. Mm-hmm. I do. But for, for the sake of that, having to fight for much in Week 17, that's the only good scenario.
1: Okay, we're going to take a break, uh, ask Manny to ask us a couple questions for this week, and then we will have Sage Rosenfels' thoughts on the Vikings' offense from an earlier episode that he and I recorded yesterday of the Purple Podcast. So We'll be back on Purple Live. Purple, purple, and more purple. This is Purple Live. With Matthew Collar.
0: All right, Purple Live, 6:42 p.m. Matt's conversation with Sage Rosenfels about new interim offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski coming up here. Matt had to depart just a few minutes early. It's Christmas time here in the Twin Cities, and he and his lovely wife Sloane are going to see the Christmas Carol. Manny, have you seen the Christmas Carol?
2: I are they? Is it like a play? Are they going to a play version? They're going of it? to the
0: play version of it. I, I went a few years ago with my dad. It was fantastic. Really, it's it's like Tiny Tim and all that stuff. You know, it makes you feel good on the inside. And I have a black soul on the inside, just dark. Go, so things it, like that made me feel good.
2: Is it like downtown? Is it? Yeah, like at the... I,
0: I believe so. Okay, I believe so. Hmm. So we can uh, we can wrap things up here. Manny usually does the three questions he poses to Matt and myself, but it's just me today. So Manny, what do you got?
2: All right, so the Vikings playing the Detroit Lions this week. And um, my question for you, Courtney, is this. Is Matt Patricia going to keep his job after this season?
0: Okay, I think he is. And I know that Matt's on this in this train, and so is Judd, that he gets canned and fired. but
2: <laughs> Judd likes to fire everybody. But you know, Judd has yeah.
0: fired Matt Patricia since he told the <laughs> reporter to not slouch. Yeah. So I think that he does keep his job. I do also think, though, that there's some more turnover in that front office because they've just been a disaster the last few years. They had a good draft this year. They couldn't make much happen in the regular season because I just don't understand like trading away Golden Tate. I I, I that yeah. that baffles me. So, yeah, I do think he keeps his job, but he's on a micro thin short leash going forward because just, you know, the way that he handled trying to install the Patriots way in Detroit, Michigan, uh, did not go over very well, I think, with this fan base and trying to make the Detroit Lions, the New England Patriots. It's a culture thing. Um, I don't think that the team liked it. I don't think that the fan base liked it. I think he has to go back to the drawing board and learn how he wants to lead this team next year.
2: Especially after you fired Jim Caldwell after he did a decent yeah. job there. I mean, the Lions don't have this long, rich history of winning. And
0: you I mean, know. You have a mediocre at best quarterback who just does... Enough to, to get by. And I mean, that's what they expect. This is, I mean, the Lions franchise has expected mediocrity for the last, you know, five, six, seven years. What, what more do you want?
2: Right. Um, so the Vikings, if you're the Vikings going into the playoffs, I think I know your answer to this question already, but I'll ask it anyway. Okay. Um, do you want to play the Dallas Cowboys or the Chicago Bears?
0: Send me to the big star. <laughs> I, you do not want to go to Chicago Week eighteen of the season, and play them in the cold. It's going to be windy. They play like trash most times at Soldier Field. Coming off of what you did in November and week whatever that was, week eleven, that was that was not a good showing. I don't think that it would be the exact same scenario, but Chicago's dangerous. I have told multiple people this, and I think they're my super Super Bowl favorite. I'll, I'll even I won't even call them a sleeper. I'll call them my favorite, and I'm going to stick to that prediction. I will eat my words if that doesn't happen. That's the last place you want to go. Dallas and the I, I don't think the NFC East should be playing in the playoffs. I think that we should just disqualify the entire <laughs> division, along with honestly get rid of the wild card because I'm not impressed with any of the teams. But no, Dallas is really your best draw they're beatable their defense is beatable and i mean i think that just offensively you don't know which dak prescott you're gonna get how they,
2: did they get shut out in indianapolis lord i
0: mean i watched that game back and i'm just like thinking okay did the colts get like really like just absurdly hot at the right time or is our you know is dallas really showing who, their true colors remember like you're not hearing anything recently about uh jason garrett in the job security right so it's like okay, well everything's fixed. Well, no, it's not. I mean, you saw that game; nothing is fixed. So I think that that's your best draw. You hope for that, but you need a lot of help in order to, for that to happen. So if you're the Vikings right now, you're big Chiefs fans this weekend because that's who plays in Seattle.
2: Uh, Vikings defense question for you: um, What is going on with Everson Griffin? Now, we know he had the situation early in the season, which was a huge, you know, a huge situation in a totally different, different ball game, but since he's come back, he just really hasn't been all that effective. What's been the deal do you think?
0: you know it's tough um it's a tough topic to really dissect into because yeah. certain times you look at Chicago they schemed away from him he's a you know they they looked at him as the best player on the defensive line and every time that trubisky rolled out on play action, uh, he went to the other side. He went. He went to Daniil Hunter's side, and that so Everson wasn't really able to affect the game in a way that he had before that game. But even coming back week eight, he hasn't looked like the same player. Um, I don't know what that is. I think that could be a number of circumstances that you know he went through something probably very traumatic, uh, having to deal with mental health issues, being away from the team for five weeks, and then now he's in a situation where. You know, he's got his feet back under him, but he's just not the same player that he was before. And then who knows? I mean, that, coming out to start the season too, you know, he's coming off injury from last year, playing through plantar fasciitis. And, and I think that really did take a lot out of him. Um, you know, he, this would be a good, good few weeks for him to get back into the mix. We saw what they did last time against Detroit, the 10 team sacks, um, you know, spreading the wealth out there. They did it last week with nine sacks, you uh, Everson getting in the mix on that and trying to affect you know affect the game off the edge the way that he did you know early on the season now's your chance because it's going to get probably pretty difficult again week seventeen regardless of who you're what Bears squad that you're playing and then certainly in the playoffs when you go to play Chicago.
2: All right, that's what I got for you.
0: All right, well I appreciate it. You are going to now hear Matt's interview with Sage Rosenfels from. I believe it was earlier in this week. He talked to him about interim offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski, what he brings to the table. Do we really buy that this offense is getting turned around, and so on and so forth? Next week we will have a special time, I believe, for the purple for Purple Live because Christmas falls a week from today, and neither Matthew nor I nor any of you anybody else should be listening to Purple Live at that time. So if we don't talk to you before, then have a wonderful, happy holidays, and we will see
1: you next next year sage i got a bunch of tweets yesterday about you telling everyone for weeks what the vikings offense would look like without john D. flippo and kevin stefanski read off your script in the first quarter with three touchdowns yesterday give me well, your reactions to the vikings offense
3: well i i think you and i both uh in different ways probably be, probably me more visually just looking at, you know, how their uh, plays are called and, and, you know, how their game plan looks and when they're in shotgun, when they're in center, and you statistically all the analysis that you do, which is incredible, uh, I think that we were just seeing these patterns over time and, and, you know, really probably going back to early in the season, almost even maybe preseason, of what type this offense is. And and I, you know, remember early in the year, you know, first couple weeks thinking to myself, this doesn't feel like that Philadelphia Eagles offense that I just saw win the Super Bowl, yet it was supposed to be something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, as you, you and I and everyone else has been studying, not only the offense, but its quarterback, uh, it, the players around it, the weapons, as we break down all positions, positives, negatives, the offensive line, uh, it, it seemed like to us what we were witnessing was not sort of a, a style that was conducive to success. Maybe conducive to putting up yards and having a good quarterback rating or or breaking wide receiver records. But all that really matters is wins and losses in the NFL. And the style that we were seeing didn't feel like it was helping out this football team. And, you know, we weren't sure how Kevin Stefanski was going to call a play or design a play yesterday. He'd never done it before, never called an NFL – never called a play before. High school, college – Pro football, never actually been the guy who called the play and designed, fully designed a game plan. And, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's re- reading our stuff or listening to our podcast. I highly doubt it. But, <laughs> you know, in the press conferences, uh, I believe it was on Friday, uh, they had the coordinators to the press conference and, and he used the phrase complimentary football two or three times. And mm-hmm. to me, that meant we're going to sort of, gr- you know, g- grind it out, ground and pound uh You know, run the football more, play more conservatively, uh, complement our very good defense, complement our special teams, which are usually pretty good. We're gonna play complementary football, you know, not rack up crazy numbers. And and that's what they played yesterday. Kirk Cousins, 21 total passes. I'm I, I'd like we're gonna break it down, you and I, uh, in the next day or two for a Wednesday podcast of uh of how many of those were dropbacks, how many of those were bootleg and play action, how many of those were screens, you know, what were the results, uh, you know, how many were in shotgun, all these different things. What what were the results because they didn't have a huge statistical day yesterday. Kirk only throws for two hundred and fifteen yards, but also only has twenty one attempts. That's that's I'm no mathematician, but that's about uh, ten yards an attempt. That's not terrible. And, uh, and you know, obviously that the turnover hurt, but you know, running the football, that was huge. You and I had both, uh, thought that running the football with Dalvin Cook, just giving him more opportunities. They're not always great, but just giving him more opportunities. And sure enough, he'd break a couple long ones, and he did that yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I think we were pretty spot on and we're not always going to be, we're going to miss a lot of times or what our judgment and what our think, what we think the Vikings should do. But in this situation, it feels like at least through one, one week, uh, that our analysis was, was pretty spot on over the last couple of months.
1: So I want to read you something from Mike Zimmer yesterday in his post-game press conference. The question was, how do you feel about the overall running game? They went over 200 yards, of course. And his answer was, we were hitting five or six yards a carry, and you know, Cook is a pretty talented player, and he's got the ball in his hands. Typically, good things happen. And, and Sage, I think that Mike Zimmer talking about the run game was not only about having a successful run game to set up play action and those sorts of things but it was also Delvin Cook shouldn't carry the ball nine times in a game that's close he should be carrying it all the time because he's amazing at football and I, I think that was maybe the most frustrating thing for Zimmer as we went along was they're just not giving the ball enough to a guy who is incredibly good and can make a special play even when something isn't there
3: Well, I think a a player like a running back and what makes a running back different than a wide receiver is that an offensive team can decide to give the ball to the running back. It actually can't decide to throw the ball to a wide receiver because he could be covered. Right. So defense defenses can, in in a way, take away a wide receiver much easier than taking away a running back. You can just hand the ball off to him. And, you know, as I said, his runs aren't always huge. There's a lot of zeros and ones and twos in there. But when the guy does say break it outside and gets past that leverage of, you know, a cornerback or a safety that loses contain, he is so good about getting around that edge. Next thing you know, I mean, just like you saw on the, on the second, on the screen yesterday, uh, on the second play of the game, 27 yards didn't feel like it, feel like a 15 yard screen, but he's so fast uh, and he gets around that corner. He picks up some really big gains and that's a guy you just want to, Get him a lot of touches, uh, whether it's hand the ball off, screens, whatever it might be. He just needs a lot of touches. He should be getting the ball 20 times a game in one way or another.
1: And I had this stat on Twitter this morning in terms of the usage of some of the people that could help Delvin Cook out in the running game, the big men. C.J. Ham, 18 snaps, his highest since week four, and he hadn't gotten to double digits in the last five weeks, which is baffling to me since he's a good player. Uh, Tyler Conklin the number three tight end 23 snaps David Morgan 23 snaps and Laquan Treadwell not a great player only 22 snaps so it was pretty clear that Stefanski wanted to get the more talented guys the bigger guys and the blockers out there and not so much run three wide receivers all the time and I, I think that that helped Delvin Cook quite a bit and then it also forces the other team to put in their bigger personnel and when you have two Really great wide receivers and a great receiving running back, and the other team's got three linebackers on the field. I mean, it's just common sense that that works. That that's a that's a Kyle Shanahan thing that they do all the time using that extra tight end or that fullback.
3: Well, when you are in regular, what they call regular personnel, two receivers, tight end, two running backs, just your standard typical. Uh, some teams call it twenty-one personnel uh, because you have two running backs and a tight end. All right, so. Uh, regular personnel that there's, there's only really a certain t- a base defense that teams have. Now teams have a lot of different coverages to base defense. When you go two tight ends and two running backs and one receiver, also known as 22 personnel. All right. There's only so many defenses that, you know, that, that defensive coordinators call mm-hmm. you know, all those three man fronts with guys, right? Those all disappear. All right. That is a run first style of defense. So, uh, you, you know, our offense. So usually defenses only have really, you know, maybe three coverages, man to man, maybe some sort of cover three and some sort of cover two. Uh, you know, so that's pretty much it. They might have a, a you know, a five man pressure or something like that, but they don't have, they don't spend all this time designing all these exotic defenses, uh, against a, you know, that type of offense because teams don't run it at times. So w- when you game plan with that style, yeah, you're taking some weapons out of the game, but you also know what you're getting defensively. You can you can work on those pass blocking schemes, you know, during the week because you you only know you're going to get one or two fronts. Uh, it's not going to be too confusing. Your guys should know what they're doing, and and it really simplifies the game plan. And you know, yesterday, yeah, as we saw, a lot of you know, two tight ends, two running backs. C.J. Ham played a lot. I, I I wrote in the athletic on on uh, last week that you know, I would walk down to C.J. Ham's locker and say, hey, you better tighten up that chin strap. You're going to play a lot. And mm-hmm. sure enough, Kevin Stavansky had the big guys in the game, and sure enough, it came up with a fairly dominating running uh, running performance. And, and, and with that, the play-action bootleg game.
1: And th- there's another point there uh, that you lead me into perfectly, is that Kirk Cousins was well-protected yesterday. He was not taking a bunch of shots as soon as he released the ball. One of the sacks, uh, Quinn got him by the foot and he just went down, um, but it, w- it wasn't like he was taking big hits. And this has been sort of a point of contention over the year is, well, is Kirk Cousins not playing as well because of the bad offensive line? But I, I think the offensive line has enough talent to hold up if they are given a hand. And I thought yesterday they were perfectly given help by moving Cousins around and by getting those big people in the game.
3: Yeah, you know, again, a good, a good coordinator understands what he has, the pieces of the pie that he has, and try to minimize those weaknesses. And the offensive line has some good players, and they have some players that aren't great. That's just the way to – that's every offensive line. But how can you maximize their strengths, minimize their weaknesses? And to me, on this offense, drop back pass, shotgun, five and seven step, stand there in the pocket that's sort of the weakness of, of really everybody as far as quarterback and offensive line is concerned. That's where trouble seems to happen. That's usually where sacks happen. Uh one was on a shotgun play and one was one was on a play action yesterday. Uh, but bad things usually don't happen, you know, on the bootleg game, uh a good play action uh you know type of deal. A lot of times you know you have extra guys blocking. The defense has to play the run for a second. You get the quarterback on the pocket, on the bootlegs. You know, those are pass plays, too, and it minimizes you know, your left guard or your right guard or whoever, left tackle, trying to block a superior athlete for four seconds. Mm. Uh, when you ask those guys to do that, that's really hard. Some teams have better pass blocking you know, linemen than others, and these guys sometimes struggle with that. Uh, the quarterback's not mobile enough to make them look great, you know. Uh, you know, Deshaun Watson's offensive line's not great either, but he's Deshaun Watson. The dude's such a good athlete. He makes them look better than they actually are. Mm-hmm. This team, the quarterback's not that way. So let's minimize those weaknesses. Let's move the quarterback. Let's bootleg. Let's play action. Let's three step. You know, let's screen on the second play of the game, slow down that pass rush. Uh, it really was a nice game plan by Kevin Stefanski.
2: All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of Purple Live. As you heard that conversation with Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels on the Vikings offense. Coming up next, we got the Boca Raton Bowl, and I'll hand it over to Lindsay. Thanks for listening.